Well, this week, um, we are in the very first book of the Bible. We're in the book of Genesis. And Genesis chapter 8 is all about um, Noah coming out of the ark after the flood. Um, You guys have probably all heard the story of Noah before, how it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. The rain came down. And one interesting thing is before the flood, um, there was, there probably been no rain. Scripture tells us, seems to suggest that it had never rained on earth before. That had been watered by dew and by other means. But when the flood came, when God brought the flood, because the wickedness on the earth had become so great and he was grieved that he had even made people. It says that the, the, the fountains of the deep were opened and that, that it rained. And it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And Noah went on to this boat that God had told him to build along with his wife and his three sons and his three sons' wives. And they went on to this, this large boat that God had instructed him to build. And they were on there for well over 100 days. Can you imagine being stuck on a boat with just your family and with all of these animals? It tells us that God brought, that the animals came to Noah two by two. And lots of times, you know, we hear that, two by two. So we think, well, there were just two kinds of, two, you know, male and female of every type of animal on the ark. That's true, but then there also, there were seven of, of the clean animals, the animals that they were able to eat. There were seven pairs of each one of the clean animals that came and that was on the ark. And so can you imagine this large boat with what we're told was eight people taking care of all of these animals? Like, can you imagine the stench, you know, <laughs> all this stuff being on this boat? I think back to COVID and when things initially shut down and, you know, they really didn't know that much about how COVID was, was transmitted. And so, you know, you were told in some cities, they were told, everybody was told to stay inside and you weren't supposed to go outside, you know, and, and even here, you know, there were, they shut the parks down. I missed that. We found places to go where, that they hadn't shut down, but you know, you missed that. You know, you'd be walking down the street and people would cross over when they saw you coming or you'd cross over, you know, out of respect because you wanted to be respectful of them and they wanted to be respectful of you. And we were just kind of all isolated from each other. And I remember, you know, people talking about, you know, I just, you know, I just want a cheeseburger, you know, or whatever the case might be, like looking forward to being set free, looking forward to, to getting out to, to the... Um, things being lifted and being able to go out and and be with people again and you know partake in those things that we're used to participating in those things that we're used to participating in and so here Noah is he's stuck on this ark and he looks out the window he takes back the tarp and he's he's been sending out birds to try and see if the waters have receded if it's safe to get out of the ark or if the waters are still there and you know he can look out and he can see that the ground is getting dry and one of the doves that he sends out comes back with an olive branch, and then um, he sends the, the dove out again, and she doesn't return. So she's found a place to roost. It's safe. And um, here are God's words to Noah in, in Genesis chapter 8, uh, verse 15. It says, Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, 
you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground, so that they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. You know, think about it. Everything had been destroyed. All the people on the earth had been destroyed. All the animals had been destroyed. You know, think of all the the seeds and the plants that had been submerged in water. You know, things had been destroyed. And then it says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures, as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. So one of the things, the thing we notice when Noah first came out of the ark, he does something. And he does something that we're not told in here that God told him to do. Now, up until this time, he'd been following God's instructions. God said, you know, build an ark. Build it with these dimensions. You know, you know do, it, do it this way. Do it that way. And, and Noah was obedient. He'd been following God. He'd been doing what God told him to do the way that God told him to do it. And here Noah comes out of the ark. You know, he's just, he's finally getting out of isolation. You know, finally coming out of his home after COVID. Finally getting off of the submarine after, you know, having spent all those days on it, finally getting off of the destroyer. You know, he's, he's on dry land. And what's the first thing he does? He builds an altar. It says, Noah built an altar to the Lord. And he doesn't just build an altar, but he takes something that is precious, that he has limited numbers of, and he sacrifices it to God. So Noah is entering a new world. The old world was destroyed by the flood. He's entering a new life. And God, and he does something. He creates space for God. He builds an altar. And we, in our lives, God invites us to make space for him. He invites us to build altars in our lives. So I want you to think a minute about what that might look like in your life. What would it look like to build an altar? You know, an altar is a place to meet God. This is actually an altar table. We have communion um, set up on it, and it, it takes us back to the Old Testament when they would offer sacrifices to God on the altar. Uh, this, this altar is very tamed down. It doesn't look like the altars of the Old Testament. But you know, Noah took what he had and he built an altar and he made space to meet God. He created a space to meet God. And in, in Matthew 
um, chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says this. He says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. When we build an altar, it's a way of creating space for God to work in our lives. It's a way of seeking God. So one of the ways that I create space is when I get up in the morning, and it doesn't happen like this every morning. I've got three kids, so life gets chaotic sometimes. But every day, I try to find some way. And if it doesn't happen that day, I'll I'll look for it the next day. But try to create some space to get away. Some space to to sit down in a chair with, with Scripture and to meet God. And as we're going into this time of Lent, these 40 days leading up to Easter, God invites us to make space for him, to try to find ways in our life to make space for him. Last week I shared that there was a time when I you know, lived in dorms with other people, and one of the ways that I created space was I would go to the library. And instead of sitting there and studying my lessons, doing my homework, I'd, I'd get out the Bible and I just sit there with the Bible, and it was a place where I could create space for God to work in my life. I could build an altar. So Noah builds an altar. And then he offers a sacrifice. He takes one of those animals that he's nurtured and that he's fed on the ark, that he's kept alive. Okay, keep in mind, all the other animals on, this, on the earth had been destroyed. There aren't very many. He's got to, you know, how do animals reproduce, right? You've got to have animals to make more animals, right? Well, he takes one of those animals, one of those seeds, one of those animals that is intended to produce more animals, something that's very precious to him, something that represents his, his future, something that um, represents him being able to be sustained and his family being able to be sustained. And he sacrifices it on the altar to God. And God invites each and every one of us to surrender, to give him that in our lives, which is most precious. Ultimately, he invites us to surrender ourselves to him. And God actually demonstrates that for us. On the cross, we have one up here. Jesus gave himself over our sins. His life was taken from him, and yet it tells us in scripture that he gave it up for us. Jesus sacrificed himself for us. Jesus surrendered his will to the will of the Father. And in the garden before Jesus is arrested and later crucified, it says that he's praying, he's talking with his father, and that his He's intense. There's a battle going on. It says that his, his sweat was like drops of blood. And he said, not my will be done, but yours be done. And he was counting the cost 
of the sacrifice. He was counting the cost of surrender. In Romans chapter 12, one of my very favorite passages, Paul writes to the Romans as the passage that we read earlier. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of who God is, in view of his compassion, in view of Jesus' compassion, in view of his surrender, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Not as dead sacrifices, but as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God invites us to surrender to him. And when we create a space, when we build an altar, and then we sacrifice an offering, we surrender ourselves. So we create a space, and we surrender. It creates shift. It makes room for God to work in our lives. It makes room for God to transform us. You'd have an altar. Noah took an animal and he he killed it and he sacrificed it. But it didn't just stay there. Fire was lit. And the sacrifice was burned up and offered to God. It's something that seems very strange to us. It's very different than what we're used to. We have an altar. We have a sacrifice. And then there's the fire. And in Leviticus, chapter 6 in the Old Testament, God gives these words to Moses about the burnt offering. He says, Give Aaron and his sons, Aaron was one of the priests, give, give Aaron and his sons this command. These are the regulations for the burnt offering. The burnt offering is to remain on the altar hearth throughout the night till morning, and the fire must be kept burning on the altar. The priest then shall put his linen clothes with linen undergarments next to his body and shall remove the ashes of the burnt offering that the fire has consumed on the altar and place them beside the altar. Then he is to take off these clothes and put on others and carry the ashes outside the camp to a place that is ceremonially clean. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on the fire. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. Three times God repeats, the fire must be kept burning. The fire must not go out. Have you ever gone camping or built a fire to stay warm? Or maybe you're in a place where, you know, if if the fire comes out, you know, the wild animals might come. Or, you know, you don't want to let the fire go out because you don't have match to get another one started. You know, and there's this careful nursing of the fire to keep it from going out. 
And God invites us in our lives to the same type of tending of the fire. The fire must not go out. So we have the altar. Seek a way to create space for God in our lives on a daily basis. There's the sacrifice. God invites us to surrender ourselves to him. We get to surrender ourselves to him. It's not something we have to do. We can choose not to. It's something we get to do. We get to surrender ourselves to him, to offer ourselves to him, and to wait in expectation of what he's going to be doing. But there has to be a fire, and the fire is the presence of the Holy Spirit. The fire is God's very presence. The fire is us staying in the presence of God. In John, in the Gospel of John, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he he talks about a grapevine. And he says, abide in me, and I will abide in you. Stay attached. I'm the vine. You know, I'm the stalk. I'm that which gives nourishment. And if you want to stay alive, you've got to stay connected to me. You know, you can't be snipped off. Because if something's snipped off, if a branch is snipped off, what happens to it? It dies. You've got to stay connected, he says. You've got to stay connected to me. You've got to keep the fire burning. You can't let the fire go out. So God calls us to diligence. He calls us to continually put ourselves in that place to receive from him, to continually stay in him, to every day create that space, to every day come to the altar, create an altar. Wherever we are, that's where the altar is. We've just got to create space. You know, it might just mean we go to bed early and we... we or we, lie in, we wake up early and we lie in bed and we're clo- we, other people might think we're still asleep, but we're awake and we're creating space. We're talking to God with our eyes closed and we're creating space for God. We're sacrificing. We're offering ourselves to God. We're saying, God, I seek you. I trust you. I am worried about this thing right now that's going on in my life, but Lord, I give that to you. I give myself to you and I just... I put it, here's the problem. Here's the problem in my life right now, God. I'm giving it to you. That's sacrifice. That's surrender. That's what sacrifice and surrender looks like on a daily basis, taking that thing that we're troubled about and giving it to God and trusting God to work it out. He might ask us to do something about it, but giving it to God and trusting God to work it out. And then there's the fire. We've got to tend the fire. We've got to keep it burning. And we tend the fire, we keep it burning by staying connected to God, by continually seeking him, by saying, God, I don't know, but you know. And I'm reaching out to you and I'm asking you to intercede in this situation. I'm asking you to work in this situation and I trust you in this situation. I trust you with my life. So building an altar offering ourselves as a sacrifice and keeping the fire burning.